The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. Working hard over here to make sure that you have the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. My guest today is an up-and-coming star in the retailing business. His name is Alton Jones. He's out of Southern California. He's been doing retail deals for about uh, uh, going on 10 years at this point and has a really interesting aspect to his business that really impresses me, which is that he does rehabs in three completely different markets in completely different parts of the country, and I can't even successfully do a rehab three blocks from where I live. He's joining us by phone today, from not from his home, but from his mastermind group in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, welcome to Real Life Real Estate, Alton. Well, thank you, Vina. I really appreciate you inviting me onto the uh, call. And I really appreciate you doing it. I know these things can be kind of intimidating for folks who have quote, only been doing real estate for nine years, which is <laughs> nine years longer than a lot of our listeners have uh, been doing real estate. So uh, I do I do appreciate it. And we'll make it as easy for you as possible here. Uh, and I say that knowing that you're actually starting to go out and teach this to other people, like you've done it enough times and had enough local success that people are coming to you and saying, please let me come work for you for free because I got to know what you know. Please hold meetings. Let me let me learn from you. So let's uh, let's start out by talking a little bit about your background, because it hasn't been all real estate all the time for your whole life. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, you know, I was a police officer full time with the LAPD uh, working the streets of Los Angeles, South Central, that is. And then I did that for a number of years, and I became a training officer. I was uh, at one point when I was so when I came on a job at 21, I looked so young that they pulled me out of the uh, training and put me into the academy, out of the academy, and had me go buy drugs uh, as a as an undercover officer working the 21 Jump Street, if you will, operation. So that was pretty fun. You know, I was so young, I was excited just to have a job and getting paid all these big bucks, and as they call them, working in the big city. So that was fun, and I did that for a number of years. I love loved law enforcement. I worked a lot with policemen, firemen, and deputies, sheriff deputies out there, and we had a great experience. And then life, you know, changes, and you decide, you know, as you're getting older, you can't jump out of that black and white police car as fast as you could, you know, as people are shooting at you. And uh, I've been shot at a number of times, and uh, it wasn't fun. So I said, you know what, i got to find something else to do. So I got involved in 
other industries like the financial services industry and marketing other financial products. And then, then the real estate bug hit me. I was like, wow, I was amazed. Uh, when I was working in patrol, I used to drive in the nice Palisades and Western Lake districts and Brentwood and saw the fancy homes that were people living in. And then I worked in the South in an area where it was real poor and, 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 and uh, if you recall the war zone, uh, those were areas I was in as well. And I saw the difference between the way people live. And I said, I got to find a different way to do it. So I got involved in real estate um, in 2009, part-time, extremely part-time, and trying to learn this business and uh, and rehabbing houses, what I like most, about what uh, taking an ugly house and then turning it into a nice, beautiful home that people would love and enjoy. And uh, initially, I didn't know anything. I was kind of learning, you know, learning how to rehab houses from watching TV shows uh, on those, uh, those television shows that they had out there back then. And then... Um, uh, then I finally found somebody who can give me some training, so I went and got training, and, and uh, the rest is history. We've been uh, uh, house flipping uh, in our business. My wife and I both run the business. I run, my wife runs uh, the operations of our business. I handle a lot of the other upfront stuff, face stuff for the company. And uh, then I was tapped on the shoulders by one of my mentors who said that you need to go out there and teach people what you know because you do so well out there in California that you need to be able to share your message with others and that's one of the reasons why I'm here in Jacksonville today, uh, to be able to take more information out there to help other people realize their goals and dreams. And uh, now today, we have three different businesses that we run and operate, a uh, house flipping business, information marketing training business, and as well as a, uh, a fund that we have created to uh, have a syndicated fund of private money for ourselves as well. So it's been really exciting. It's, I'm exhausted just listening to it. You're, you're, you're a busy guy, and you've had you've worn a lot of hats over your lifetime. Each of which I'm sure added to your ability yep. to be successful in real estate investing. So let's give uh, before we have to take a break in about four minutes. Let's let's give um, let's give listeners a little bit of an idea of the kinds of properties you're flipping, where you do that, and kind of like is it is it um it, do, you, do you prefer lower end houses middle end houses high end houses you know um i look at the middle end houses i don't like the low end houses as much but i'll take depending on the area because it's about location 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 because i'm in three different markets i'm in the la market which is the southern california market which well uh if, if, if i say la i mean all of southern california uh also in the dallas houston market as well as um uh, in the Memphis, Tennessee market. So I'm in those three markets. So in those markets, it's quite different uh, from Texas to L.A. Um, to obviously Memphis. So uh, our price points are greatly uh, uh, changes depending on where you're at. So I like to target to single-family homes primarily. I don't do condominiums. I don't do, you know, multifamily units. I do mainly single-family homes. Uh, two-bedroom, one-bath that, you know, I can add value to it. If I could change it to a three-bedroom, two-bath, or a four-bedroom, three-bath, something like that, I like those. I like uh, simple uh, houses that we can do um, with aesthetics, if we can do that, but I'm not afraid to tear a house completely down, Venina. Uh, and uh, uh, Vina, and, I, I, and I, don't pro- I don't have a problem with that, tearing it down and building it from the ground up. And that's exciting because people look very afraid when they take a house and it seems got mold and and it's broken or half burned down I, or have foundation issues. I love those things because I'm not afraid because I know how to have a system to be able to um, uh, handle contractors in that process, which most people fear. So I target those houses that would give me the most return on my money and give them it, get, uh, allow me to do it in the, in the fastest time possible. We don't want to be stuck in the projects for over a year. 
Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's interesting that you are you are somebody who for whom a layout problem isn't a problem or a mold problem isn't a problem because bottom line you can just rip it down and start again if the deal looks right because mo- most rehabbers they pass if they've got oh, yeah. if they've got you know what you, you know those old houses that have the weird layouts and you know the, the somebody added a bedroom off the garage right. and you, you don't know you don't know what to do with it but in in your case I, I assume you have to look at the numbers but in your case well, you're willing to build yeah, well, I always have I have a philosophy. If you open up the house, people will open up their wallet, which means they'll pay more money for a house because it's open concept, and that's what some of these buyers want these days. And the old houses that are out there are typically compartmentalized. They're all boxed up. You have separate dining room, separate living room, separate bedroom, separate hallway, but there's no real line of sight from the kitchen to the living room. And so if you open up a house, by open taking down walls, and most people are afraid of because now they got to get structural permits and plans and all that stuff, and they don't they, they become intimidated because of that reason. Me, I just look at it as a way of being able to uh, make more money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, that's one of the ways in which your business is really different from a lot of other rehab businesses I know about. And I want to talk about what some of those other ways are. But first, we need to take a quick break. Uh, You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is somebody that you might not have heard of up until now, but trust me, you will in the future. His name is Alton Jones, and he is one of the 23 awesome experts at the National Real Estate Investing Summit coming up here in Cincinnati in about three weeks, November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. He's an up-and-comer in the retailing business, and he's doing something that not many retailers you know do, especially not ones with small operations, and that is he's working in very different markets. I mean, you could not have picked a different market from L.A. than Memphis, (laughs) Like I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah. maybe you could have gone to Akron or something, but those are <laughs> those are very, very different markets in terms. I mean, you just have to to lop off a decimal point when you're in in Memphis, I assume, on, exactly. on, on a lot of your properties. So we're talking today about sort of what he does, and and particularly, I know a lot of the questions that I got prior to the show were around how in the world do you operate in multiple areas because I know a lot of retailers they feel like they feel like they have to be in the project every day at either either swinging a hammer or watching people swing hammers to make sure that they're they're, they're actually getting swung you know and yeah. that doesn't seem to be your philosophy no not at all I don't put on a tool belt um, and I have a, a way of being able to monitor that number one how we get in those markets is number one I like to uh, uh, acquire these properties usually through either owner financing or taking over debt subject to I'm not taking a boatload of cash and going out and buying in those uh, those markets in, in Texas or Memphis. So I'm getting typically owner financing or taking over debt subject to where I'm basically getting free equity. And uh, and then I have a, a system of being able to locate, hire the right type of contractors to go in there and do the work that I want them to do. And they pay based on I pay based on a progressive payment schedule, based on staying ahead of work and behind on payments so that I'm not getting paying too much ahead of the job. That, that I expected to get done. And then I inspect what I expect, uh, and that is them to do their job and prove to me by either one of my boots on the grounds out there that I have 
to be able to prove that the work was being done in a good workmanship-like manner. And that way, I don't have to be there. I can run and operate my business, automate, it, automate my business, uh, and, and having the rehab done without me being there. Yeah, and I think I think that part of it is fascinating, and that is one of the reasons that you were invited to speak at the National Real Estate Summit, because we've heard about automation in the marketing world. We've heard about automation in the wholesaling world. We've heard about automation in uh, the lease option world, but we haven't gotten to hear a lot about automation in the in the retailing world, because that's that's sort of considered to be one of the more hands-on type of things. And you, you listen to retailers standing around at RIA groups and they say, yeah, I got to go. I got to go in there random times, make sure the contractors are actually there and have enough people on the job and are working and aren't, you know, smoking meth on my job or you know, whatever it is they're worried about. <laughs> so, so that's true. This is, this is, this is good stuff. Um, so we, as I mentioned, we got some listener questions prior to the show. Now we are, the reason I'm not giving out phone numbers and emails for people to call us is because we're actually pre-recording the show, although it's on the same day, because at the time of the usual show, I have to drive up to Dayton and do a uh, market update, a Dayton market update for those folks. And we just mm. we just couldn't figure out how to get me from uh, Cincinnati to Dayton uh, instantaneously. I just I wish <laughs> they'd invent that stupid transporter. I keep waiting for that transporter. Right. right. And it keeps not happening. But um, uh, folks who folks who folks who are on our email list get a notification every week that says shows today here's the topic here's some other stuff that you know books books i i'm reading you know things i'm thinking about etc and i want to encourage everybody to um to get on that list because we the number of people who say oh my gosh i heard you had a great show yesterday with some guy what was his name how do i get a hold of him just you know get on the email list and listen to the show it's at realliferealestate.com so the the first set of questions i have here were, were right along the lines of what i was going to ask you anyway this is from gina who lives uh, here in the cincinnati area in northern kentucky um, she wants to know about the makeup of the people in your business. Now you said you got you and your wife that you're the face. She's the operations manager. Who else makes this run? Well, we have a, uh, one of my assistants named Taylor. He's actually, uh, helps with a lot of some, some, uh, office stuff, email marketing, follow up postings that we have on uh, Facebook, adding pictures to our website or, or things of that nature. And then we also have uh, a social media team which is a team that we've outsourced a company to handle all aspects of social media from Facebook to LinkedIn to uh, uh, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, they put out the ad campaigns and we promote, you know, different events or uh, stuff like that. Or um, So we have those. And then I have an intern that goes around and works, you know, for, for learning, for training. And he's uh, brought, he's been working with me for a few months now. And he wants to do everything he can to help us grow our uh, our rehabbing business because that's just the rehabbing business, which is our bread and butter, versus our information marketing business. So he comes through my information marketing business, but throughout he wants to be a part of our building our business of locating, identifying property. So he'll do all the things that I don't want to do, such as go visit the property, take over, you know, take pictures, take measurements, do research at the city, all these things that we need to do to make sure that we got a deal. And in some cases, make contact with the sellers to be able to put a contract together so we can close. Mm-hmm. So he's your acquisitions person in L.A. I assume he's not flying out to Memphis to look at properties. If he has to, absolutely. Really? If it makes sense, absolutely. Because okay. if we're getting free equity, Venetia, 
where would you not fly? If there's typically somewhere between thirty to forty, fifty thousand dollars of profit on something that you can you can knock out and outside of two three weeks, it's worth a six hundred dollar flight round trip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that that's interesting because I'll tell you what I expected you to say. I expected you to say I have a team on the ground for acquisitions for negotiation for marketing in each separate city. Of course, the marketing can all be done from one location. But you're you're telling me that the same acquisitions team that works with you there will also go to the other markets to do the at least the initial look at the properties. Right, if it makes sense. Yes, if we if we've done all the research that we can do online, and there's nothing else more than go verify the stuff out there, then we'll send them out there. I'm a control freak, and uh, without and and being able to be in control and to be there without having to physically myself personally be there, then I'll send my intern. I'll send one of my assistants out there and let them go handle it because they know exactly what we're trying to buy and how we're trying to buy it. And they've been trained by me on what to look for. And and if it's a deal that we've already researched, then it's a matter of just verifying it real quick and then pulling the trigger, especially when you're getting debt taken over subject to or you're getting owner financing. Uh, so we're not talking about taking a lot of money going across you know the country and spending that money uh, and getting a hard money loan. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something that's almost like a lay down. It's just a ver- verification purposes. But uh, and I do understand that most people would probably get boots on the ground. And in some areas, we do have contractors that have boots on the ground that have worked with us. So we have those guys before I act with business because, you know, you make your money when you buy. Mm-hmm. And you have to buy it right. Otherwise, if you buy it the wrong way, if you, if you repair it, estimate it the wrong way, then you can be in the negative side of the column. And we don't want to ever be there. And that is what has always terrified me about being in markets that aren't mine. I mean, the, 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 I, have some, I have some houses in Columbus. I have some in Dayton. I, I know, you know, to you guys out in L.A., that's all like one big squished up place. But the, re- the reality is mm-hmm. the Dayton market is a very different market than the Cincinnati market. The Columbus market is a slightly higher end market than the Cincinnati market. And every time I bought properties there, I would drive there and look at them myself because I I can't. You know, and not just look at them, but look at the neighborhoods, look at the comps, look at look at everything. Spend a couple of days there, kind of reviewing what the market is like. And there's, you know, there's a lot of folks out there uh, who in the wholesaling business mm-hmm. who try to do that completely hands off. Who try to do it basically all on the phone, right? You say your house is worth seventy five, I'm going to believe you. You say it only needs a roof and a kitchen, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to put it under contract, and then I'm going to advertise it to my buyers as if I knew what the heck I was talking about. <laughs> that, that sort of thing. Yeah. That sort of well, thing. Well, what I've done, you know what, I tell you, if, if like when I went into these markets, um, first, the first thing I did was I went out there and I spent a week out there. I spent a week, seven days out there learning the market, number one. And then I went to go visit some of the local uh, groups of uh, other investors out there. I wanted to find out who's who in the zoo, as I call it, and then figure out who were the players, who are the rehabbers? Who are the wholesalers? Who are the agents? Who are the attorneys? Who are, who's everyone using? Who are the contractors? So I'm building relationships out there. So when I'm ready to pull trigger on things, I know exactly who I can go to should I need to be able to, um, you know, use a, uh, a handyman or a contractor for some reason. But I, I but I had to spend some time out there to understand that market. And then if anybody knows the Memphis market, it's very depressing. But if you're in the right market and you know it, there's opportunities out there to make a lot of money if you're in the right areas. Not every area of Memphis is the area that everyone wants to be in. You have to know those markets, otherwise you'll be taking a bath. Dallas, on the other hand, Dallas is a lay down. I love Dallas. Dallas is, you know, plus I have family out in Dallas, so I have agents that are out there that are part of my 
my team out there that help us get these uh, properties on the contract. And, and so there's so many different ways to do it. So I love Dallas just as much as I love L.A. Memphis, I love Memphis too, but I don't spend a lot of time in Memphis. A lot of, a lot of deals are coming the way I want them to come. I pass on a ton of deals in Memphis because the numbers don't work right or the areas are not the way I want them to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it sounds like what you have is you and your wife – You've got an assistant who I assume is a or is is the assistant a W two employee. Yes, she's W two. Okay, and then you have and, a and then we have an intern. And so, so who is apparently just doing this because he loves you and wants to learn what you're doing. And <laughs> everybody, yeah, yeah, <laughs> listeners, listeners, don't write that into your business plan. <laughs> Alton has gotten very, very lucky here. The interns that, that we've had who, I mean, just came right out and said, I'm trying to learn what you do. They're two, three weeks figuring it out and they're gone. So he's, right, he's, right. He's, he's been in a very lucky situation. But it sounds like everybody else is is an outside team, independent contractors. Yes. Probably paid 1099. Yes, like yes. Okay. So that was, that was another one of uh, Gina's questions. And then the final one is... So your first office, the one that's in your hometown, how long did that one take to kind of get up and running? And then how long did it did it uh, take you to kind of really feel like you were up and running in the other markets? That's a great question. Um, so we we have we have two offices, sort of kind of. We have two offices. Well, our main offices in, in well, this is Southern California. We have two main offices. One in it's in two different counties uh, in Southern California. And the first office, we were in that office for from 2009 to 2017. And we moved from there, our physical location, because we moved our home address to another county, and we moved all the way out, and, and that area was 100 miles away. And so, well, actually about 70 miles away. And so it took us about the first the first office, when we first started in 2009, uh, we didn't go full-time. We initially started this business. We were, we we went and got a virtual office. I'm sorry, Christian, a uh, um uh, what's it? Uh, like a, not a, like a shared office type of situation. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Exactly, a shared office. Um, uh, that kind of system. Uh, so we had a shared office that we had a little suite, you know, and uh, executive office suite. That's what I want to say. So we had an executive office suite, and we had one little room. And then all of a sudden, our business grew. And then my wife kicked me out of the office that we had a suite in. So she says, "I need more rooms." So she kicked me out. So we had to get another suite. So then I had basically three suites. Um, and then we grew out of that, and then we had to finally go to a much bigger building, which we're at now. But we used the original office that we had for from 2009 to 2017 as our main hub, and it took us about maybe um, a year, maybe a year and a half to get things up and running and to perfect the systems. It took us about three years to really perfect everything. And then we recently moved about a year ago to our new office, and that thing's it's been on autopilot, you know, like mm-hmm. no tomorrow. I mean, my wife, she comes to work, she goes to her office. I may not even know she's there unless she needs something. But for the most part, I don't spend a lot of time in the office. I spend a lot of time on the phone. I spend a lot of time meeting people. I spend a lot of time, um, you know, on my, on, you know, on my, on my uh, computer, whether I'm in the office or not. And that's how I operate. I mean, it's, it's very rare that I meet in the office, and it's definitely. I've changed my business so much that I'm no longer at the job site monitoring people every day, eight hours a day, running back and forth to Home Depot, having no life, gaining 30 pounds because I'm eating off the roast coach. And I can't eat that junk food the way young, some of these young folks can these days. So now I'm barely going to the job site maybe once 
every other week or something like that. But I do have people monitoring, or I'm monitoring through other avenues, such as uh, Facebook, uh, not Facebook, but um, uh, FaceTime, mm-hmm. or taking some ph- photographs, you know, or doing a popover for five minutes and I'm out of there. But I don't spend hours and hours on end no longer at these job sites. But the office itself, you know, is there for us to go to work, and when we're done, we're done. We go home, and we, don't, we, don't, we have a home office, but we don't use the home office for business unless it's a rainy day, because I don't like to work in the rain. <laughs> so I'll basically stay home. Very That's good. That's my prerogative as a, as a business owner. You don't have to work in the rain unless you're the boss. <laughs> Very good. We need to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to get your opinion on uh, rehabbing and selling turnkey rentals and talk more about how you are running this business so successfully. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Alton Jones, who is giving his very first ever presentation at the National Real Estate Strategy Summit coming up here. It's not his first presentation ever. It's his first presentation at the National Real Estate Strategy Summit. <laughs> we have we have, we have have actually bunches of new experts that we've dug up over the last year. Uh, Dixie Decker, who I think is down there with you in Jacksonville yep. right now. Uh, is going to be there talking about student housing. That'll be her first time there. Brad Brad Moncado, who's uh, an Airbnb expert, is going to be there. And uh, there's 23 different speakers. And uh, there is, I, I, as of today, there is still one package left for people who want to attend, but do it by pledging to public radio, WMKV. And it's on the website at wmkvfm.org. You can't miss it. It's right at the top. Click it. Uh, get signed up. It's it's actually a better pl- price because, like, ORI is a nonprofit. It donated the package to WMKV. And then WMKV is going to let you have it in return for a shockingly small pledge, really. A shockingly small pledge. So I uh, want to encourage people to do that so that they can actually meet Alton, come see him at the... Come see him at the VIP receptions and actually get to talk to him some because he's a he's a fascinating dude. Uh, all right, so Alton, uh, I have another question here from Ken in Indianapolis. He says, "What is your feeling about rehabbing rental properties for resale to investors as turnkey rentals versus retailing the traditional way to homeowners?" Well, that's a great question, and um, I've actually, <laughs> actually, it's funny. One of my largest rehabs I've done in Hollywood, and, and this is numbers that don't get shot by the numbers, was actually rehabbed uh, and sold to a uh, rental investor. And uh, purchased this house in, uh, in L.A. Uh, for $570,000. Uh, two bedroom, one bath, nothing house. Well, it was on an R3 lot, so I knocked it down. Wasn't nothing wrong with the house, but it needed to knock it down because it said R3. And I turned around and built a duplex, a three-story duplex. But in this particular area, which was literally two blocks from Paramount Studios, the market price changed. We actually built this house. It was a 700-square-foot house, and we turned it into a 4,900-square-foot duplex. And we ended up selling this house to an investor for $2.55 million. Oh. And those, I, you know and those numbers have, make no sense to me. Like, like you, it makes you, no sense. You yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was like you were Charlie Brown's parents there for a minute. You were like going, well, wah, 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 because like two point five well, million would buy you a good sized apartment building here, right, here where I, I live. Shock people, and I don't want to shock people because it was only two units, but because of where the location was, 
we put $1.1 million into it. Over that $1.1 million, I put $0 of my own money in it, except for the earnest money deposit. And the earnest money deposit was $10 mm-hmm. to control that contract. Okay? So now, understanding how to control the contract, you need a contract and consideration. And the consideration was $10. And we went to escrow with that $10. And I had a partner of mine, uh, who's my attorney, who actually put the money into it. He put $1.1 million of cash into the rebuild of this place. Uh, also, the, the acquisition of it, and then we ended up selling that house in 18 months to a cash buyer for 2.55 million. Mm. I gave him a discount; it was at 2.6 listed, but I gave him because he paid cash a $50,000 discount, and that was to somebody who bought it as a rental because he could rent out one side for 7,000 a month, and the other side he was going to Airbnb it for 14,500 dollars a month. Mm. Now, again, I'm shocking people on the numbers, but it's not just the fact that. There are investors out there that will buy rental property from you, single-family rental, and turn them into Airbnb, depending on where the locations are, and those are very unique. Or, like in my friend Dixie, if it's the right location, you can buy these houses and rent them out and hand them over to landlords to do a, a student housing situation. So we've kind of taken and perfected the buying the houses cash as well as buying the house on terms and be able to use those deals as a transaction engineer. So if either I'm going to fix it and sell it, or I'm not going to fix it, but I can sell it on a split equity to a landlord-tenant buyer, a landlord buyer, to be able to do what they want to it. But it's, the key thing is getting the contract, controlling the contract by any means necessary, by using the, the least amount of money as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I I do want to go back to that because you kind of you 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 said it so fast in the first segment that I'm not sure that people caught that you're not doing the traditional you know 15 percent and five points hard money on these deals that you're looking you're looking specifically for owner finance type deals either uh, buying subject to the existing loan or if an owner has I assume a paid off property you would do something like a deed of trust if you were in well any of those three states so we would we would do a a owner held mortgage here yes yes absolutely those are the best ways to go in in all situations whether I'm in other states or California the first thing I'm trying to do is lead with getting terms if I can now, there's going to be times, a lot of times, you're not going to get turned, but yet that's why you try to develop your private money lenders list somewhere along the line. And and, and all in all, I try almost never to use hard money uh, if I can't, if I don't have to. Um, but I'll try to get private money versus the hard money. But if I have to use hard money, it's very for a short period of time and for the least amount. I don't want to pay a lot of money to uh, to a hard money lender every month when I gotta, if i got to be in this project for six months or, or longer. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to pay those high costs and interest and points for something that you know that's going to be you know turned around really fast. I hear you. And ne- and next week on the show, by the way, I'm inter- I'm interviewing uh, Jillian Sedoti, who's also from your neck of the woods. She's from Temecula. Oh, and that's my attorney. Ah, well, there you go. There you go. She's, she's, she's one of my attorneys. She's great at that private money man. thing, isn't she? Oh yeah, yeah. She's helped me with my syndication, my syndicated fund. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's our that's our third business we have. She's helped me develop that. Yeah, she said she helped me with that as uh, well. So she's gonna she's gonna talk a little bit more about the raising private money piece so that you don't necessarily end up going to the hard money lenders and just paying what they tell you to pay. <laughs> you, yeah. can, you can negotiate. She is somebody it. to reckon with. Yes. Yes. Some some person. Yes, she is. Now so so the the idea that you're gonna mostly try and do owner financing has got to, in some ways, limit the amount of volume you can do, doesn't it? I mean, wouldn't it be easier just to pay the big money and go snatch up everything that looks like it's a decent price? 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, we try to lead with whatever we, we can get, but, I mean, I'll, 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 I'm afraid to, to buy a house for, you know, I mean, like right now we're buying houses in, in Dallas uh, for, you know, 80000 or 100000 and we're turning around and selling them for, you know, two hundred. And so those are pretty, you know, simple. But if I'm in Memphis, I'm buying properties in Memphis for maybe 20000 or 15000 and turning around and selling those for, you know, 75000 So there's not a lot you have to put into them. So we don't... We're getting houses that you, if you have to put more money into the house than you're going to make on the deal, then it's probably not worth doing. Um, so we have to look at each situation, evaluate them. Because I mean, I know this house is right now I can buy in Memphis for five thousand dollars, but I have to put fifteen thousand in them. But if I got to turn around and sell it, I may I better I better make more than fifteen thousand if I'm going to sell it because it's not worth my time to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That 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 Memphis thing is is. It's it's clogging up my brain because you're it, it is it is just a fact of real estate that the more expensive the market, the more money there is to be made in particularly short term strategies. Now, the, the opposite is true in rentals. Usually right. people from California are buying properties here in Cincinnati, not not in California, because the uh, the, the returns and cash flow just aren't there based on what you have to pay for a property uh, on, right. in some of the more expensive areas. But in wholesaling and retailing. You know, I know people who are wholesaling in California who won't get out of bed for less than $50,000 in profit. And I, you know, on, on my typical deal, it's going to be like seven to $10,000 because our, our median house price is literally a third or a quarter of the median house price out in L.A. Wow. Um, so why even bother with Memphis? Like Dallas is a really good hot it's not it's not super expensive but it's it's medium expensive and then LA is a really good hot expensive market why are you even in a market where you're talking about well you know the after repaired value of this house is $90,000 owner financing ah that's the only time I'll go to those areas those areas of Memphis now Dallas is different I could pay cash in Dallas but if I'm going to buy in Memphis, it's all better. It better be all upside and no downside. And owner financing, I can buy owner financing and get terms for 30 years. So I can pace myself to pay that mortgage off if I need to. So I, I could be in it. I can fix it up and cash flow from it, especially if it's near, you know, some of the universities there. Um, I could do all kinds of different, you know, exit strategies there. But it has to be owner financing. I'm not bringing cash to it unless there's some slight repairs that need to be made. Or oh, I could turn around and sell it to a lease option on a sweat equity contract to someone else. And for me, I don't put no fixing into it. The person who's going to lease it out, buy it that way on terms, then to me, I can buy it on the finances, turn around to a tenant buyer and sell it on a lease option and get a huge down refundable deposit back and never have to do anything to it. So I like that uh, aspect of, of Memphis. Uh, but I'm not bringing a lot of cash or any cash, too much for that matter, to Memphis market. Um, but that, that's where I'll get some long-term property, I could do long-term rentals, or I could do a quick fix and flip, something that can get in and out very fast. Awesome. We need to take another quick break. We'll be back uh, and answer some more questions from listeners. So you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Alton Brown, who's making his first... Oh, Jones, excuse me. Wow, where are they? Brown. Do I know an Alton Brown? Alton Brown, he's a cook. <laughs> oh, I don't even watch that show. I don't know where I don't know where my brain went there. Uh, Alton Jones, yes, I because yeah, you know, my name's Vina Jones, and I couldn't remember that your last name was Jones. 
Um, <laughs> uh, he's he's making his first Ohio appearance at the National Real Estate Investing Summit. You guys have heard all about that. I can't imagine why you're not going if you're serious about real estate. Uh, as of right now, we have almost 720 people registered for that, which means there will be a thousand people for you to network with when you get there, including 23 like really good top of their field experts like Alton. And he uh, he's talking to us today about his multi-state. It's not just like multi-city. It's a multi-state uh, rehabbing business. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting the feel that there's there's some more stuff here too, Alton. There's some, there's some buy and holds in your life as well. Yes, yes. We have a, um, some buy and holds. A lot of the buy and holds that we have are here locally, um, but we do have some out there in Memphis as well. We have some... We don't have any holds that we're doing in, in, the, in the Texas market yet, but we do have some in Memphis uh, that we still hold, and we uh, have them in Southern California as well, mm-hmm. in the high desert. Those are very those are very helpful come tax time. Yes, they are. Because the, the income you make is as a rehabber is extraordinarily highly taxed. And when you're doing the, the more deals you do, the worse it gets, you know. So um, <laughs> don't I know? Yeah, I was I was uh, I was looking at my 2017 tax returns the other day, and one of the things I said was, you know, I need to get some more rentals. <laughs> my, my tax bill's too high. Uh, so uh, multiple markets, multiple um, multiple exit strategies, but lots and lots and lots of retailing in your life. Uh, I have a question here from Gail in Nashville. She says, the thing you guys haven't addressed is what is his main market for finding these deals? Oh, I love it. That's great. That's great. That's a great question. What's our main? I use, um, you know, uh, uh, a lot with other real estate agents that bring me pocket listings. That's one main uh, avenue. I also work with wholesalers that understand my philosophy because I am a rehabber. I love rehabbing, but I also have a transactional engineer. So I don't just look at the rehab to be rehabbing, but what does the situation call for? So I understand I, I may want to rehab it, but it may be a better strategy to either hold it and keep it or flip it or do some other kind of strategy with it. But that's one of our biggest main things because I can do that on autopilot. I don't have to do anything but order my letters, have my assistant put a stamp on it, and mail them out twice, uh, uh, once a week uh, on Mondays. And we usually mail about 200 out every Monday. And, and I'm targeting free and clear, high-equity owners that are absentee. And they have to be single-family residents, people who have owned their house for at least 10 years, and they have at least 70% of equity in the property. And and the main thing is they have to be an absentee owner. And I can't tell you how many people respond to me that it's it's ridiculous. I mean, we're not getting a lot. You know, we're not getting a lot. Most people tell you no. But the ones that I get, I'm getting people who are uh, selling me houses that are free and clear or have high, high equity. And I don't target notice of default. I don't target divorce. I don't target a lot of these you know, other things. I target free and clear, high equity owners that are single family residents, uh, and that's primarily our main source of getting deals. And the ones that we get, some cases where it's a pocket listing from a relationship that I built with a real estate agent that I came to at maybe a local real estate um, investment uh, group that met me or saw me online some kind of way, and we were able to work together some kind of way, as well as wholesalers, because when they when they bring me the deal. If I say I'm going to buy it, I'm not going to jack them around and, and, and screw them over and not close. So I have a reputation of closing on every deal that I go into contract with. 
Mm-hmm. So it sounds like a, a lot of your deal finding is based on relationships. It is. It is. Cause, because people think we're in the real estate business, but really we're in the people business. And so I, I, I look at that and, and I take a page out of what I did as, in law enforcement for years. Um, in law enforcement, you know, you're dealing with people. You're talking words. And in most cases, you know, sometimes you have to arrest somebody and take them to jail. But the reality is we're dealing with people. And you can kill them with kindness and, and, and take people to get them to your, the way you want to see things and show, share your vision. So when I'm dealing with a seller, I'm coming in an in a, in a approach where how can I help you? How can I serve you? What can I do to make things better? And then we approach it that way because they understand it's not how much I know, but it's how much I care. Mm-hmm. And so now I've listened to them and taken a, taken a page, and now I've focused on them. I put the spotlight on them, not me. And, and therefore, we can even structure a deal that makes sense for both of us. Hmm. That's a that's a very interesting take because a lot of the folks we get on the show are like, oh, send massive numbers of mailings and do social media and do all this sort of stuff. But you got you've got lead sources that literally nobody else has because yeah. that, that realtor yeah. has a relationship with you. That wholesaler has a relationship with you. So uh, that is awesome. Now, we literally have like three minutes left in the show. And I want to mm-hmm. I want to address something that we've been talking about a lot here on this uh, in this uh, area which is uh, it looks like the market could be headed for a slowdown. And you you would be seeing it first because, you know, California is always kind of the bellwether of, you know, the yeah. real estate market. The real estate market has much higher highs and much lower lows out there in, Cali- yeah, it does. It does. Out there in California than it does here. And retailing is a business where it works great when the highs are high and when the lows are low, you've got the problem that the deals are all over the place, but the buyers aren't. So what is your sort of thought about how you will deal with it if we have a market downturn in the next six months or so? Well, two, two, two things. One, term. Number one, you can't go wrong if you get term. The longer the term, the better the term. You know, it doesn't matter what happens with the market. If you negotiate it at a low enough price and a long, long enough terms, you, we should be able to ride it out. Number two, um, so that doesn't affect me, but but I know in rehabbing, uh, rehab retailing, if you will, I don't want to get into projects that's going to take me more than 120 days, maybe 180 days, because I don't know what can happen. It can happen in a dime, and I don't want to be too far into a deal where I have so much committed, and I, you know, like a brand new ground up could take me a year to do. I don't want to be stuck in a project for a year, not knowing that the market, and I feel it, it's coming. It, it's coming. I don't know when, but it's coming. I don't want to be stuck in a deal that I got to do. It's going to take me another eight months to do. And in some cases, you may, in, like where we are in L.A., some of the cities and counties can take eight months before you can even get permits issued. And so imagine having uh, co- uh, co- uh, um, your, your daily cost on, on, a, on a loan that you got, and you can't even demo the house to rehab it until you got your permit issued for you know eight months later. That can hurt your business. That can definitely affect you in a negative way. Now, I know typically in Southern California, the high desert area, uh, you know, where I have properties, uh, it's still pretty hot. I mean, I just got an offer, four offers on a property that was a nothing house that we rehab in two weeks, and another house had multiple offers, and this is the area that's a rural area. So that market is still hot right now. The, the area that's going to get affected first is going to be the high desert before the local area in Southern California where it's mainly populated. Uh, the high desert would take a hit first. And right now, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But well, it's coming. I feel it coming. It, it is coming. Yeah, for, foreclosures are up all over the country. 
just a little bit, but that's always a sign. Days on market yeah. are extending. Um, it is. Uh, inventory starting to loosen up. We've got you know increased interest rates and the possibility of a stock market crash coming. So I know a lot of retailers find, found themselves very, very hurt by that in 2007, like out of business, bankrupt type of hurt over having 12 properties that they hadn't finished yet and there were no buyers for them. And it sounds like you've got you've got the plan uh, wrapped around the idea that you know if I if I put if I put you know X dollars into rehabbing it, but I took over the mortgage and I can just make those payments for the next twenty eight years and then it's paid off. Then you can do what smart Californians do, which is ride the down cycle and then the next up cycle is always more up. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, well I, that, that works for us. I appreciate uh, your time today, Alton. I know you're in the middle of a mastermind meeting, and I, I, I'm happy you were able to step out and do this for us. I look forward to seeing you at the National Real Estate Strategy Summit in a couple of weeks and learning more about what you do. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Thank I you. I look forward to seeing you. Thank you. You've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.